way back in the 1970s, my father had a shop in in the hometown in the Moy, and it was like a a grocery store where he was wearing the you know the white coat um, behind the counter like a lab technician or like the old GAA umpire, and um, I think the shop finished about mid 1970s. Um, in no small part down to the political um, instability in the north. And it was not going to be something that I was ever going to pursue. I didn't see myself working in retail or food retail like that. But then who knows, because it wasn't there whenever I left university and went to pursue a career in advertising, media and communications and so on and so forth. 2014, I was um, support to the coaching team at the Queen's University Sagerson panel. And over this last number of months, I have watched a few of the lads on that team who have started to excel um, as in the startup space, in the tech startup space, um, some of them in the States. So really, really intelligent lads coming out of Queen's University who are excelling academically and also in the sporting field. And it's made me think of the difference in working for an established business or a mature organization compared to setting up on your own and being a startup and not necessarily being a tech startup, but being a, a startup um, of any description in any kind of sector. This has been prompted by work I'm doing recently with a couple of startups as well as some family businesses, some mature organizations, some businesses that have been about for 40 and 50 years. And so this podcast is uh, in, in reverence and a bit of a homage to startups and those kind of businesses and maybe to see what one can learn of the other and maybe more so the mature businesses learning from life as a startup. I think and first thing that I really noticed um, because I've always preached that branding and the customer should sit in the middle of your sales and marketing activities. If you're taking any kind of business to market as a startup, you lack brand recognition from the get-go. And you may lack brand recognition for a number of years. And so what's the importance of having brand recognition if you're a startup or, for that matter, if you're a mature business? And one of the things that it clearly helps you with is customer acquisition, but it also helps you with talent acquisition. And so if you're setting up a business right now, you can imagine, we all know how difficult it is to get good people and to get good people to stay. So how much of an impediment is that to a startup that you're going into market with without an established brand that may in six months or a year need to start recruiting people? And therefore how much is it a leap of faith for an employee to go and work for an employer? Or how well does the employer of the startup have to sell the position to an employee to come on board, to take something that's probably fairly risky, even from a distance it would look risky, unless the startup is a complete sure thing. And we all know that there's no such thing as a sure thing startup. Um, so the importance of your brand and the importance of you being able to sell yourself to potential talent and to be able to keep the talent. Clearly in, in a startup, there's resource constraints. 
And that's a good thing too. That shows that you have to be really, really clear about how you spend your money. And you have to get that money um, on your product and service and sales function kind of established right or the imbalance will kill you. So too much product with no sales is just as bad as no product and plenty of sales. Um, discuss. And so mature businesses tend to have maybe more money to experiment with or to waste. And occasionally they could do well making sure that the money they spend in sales and marketing um, kind of works and that they are putting themselves under some kind of resource constraint before the economy decides to do that for them. The other thing that springs to mind immediately is when you're starting up a business and if you've managed to secure some kind of seed fund or you get some capital from somewhere 30 or 40 years ago, you'd have got it from the credit union or from a rich cousin or whatever it was, um, or redundancy. If you're starting up, you get your money from your Invest NIs, your uh, White Rock Capitals of this world, all those people who will take a look at your business plan. And it won't be a 60-page business plan like it might have been before. It's going to be a very short business plan and they're going to look at your the team and they're going to try and see and assess the potential and capability and the character of the people involved as much as they will look at the service and the product that's for sale in the market. But what they start up will have uh, plenty of coaching on is a sales process and so startups will typically go to market with a much better sales process in place than a lot of established businesses because without an established process to start your chances of success are going to be reduced dramatically and it's no different for a mature business um, I've been working with some businesses recently who are 20 years plus in business who have no real clear sales process that if 20 new salespeople were to come in next week and replace the existing 20 that everything would be relatively fluid and seamless and so the idea that a sales process will straddle both mature and startup business is very clear but for mature business you could do worse than taking a look at some things that sales that startups have to embrace as they start the journey um, on their own that includes the embracing of technology. There's no fear of technology with startups today. And again, I'm not talking just about tech startups. I'm talking about businesses in general that see having a CRM as like a Bible. Um, I work with one client who's one of the salespeople who's of a certain age who's just like, well, I'm not going to use a CRM because it doesn't make sense for me to use it. And you kind of have a fair idea listening to this, you would know what age group that person could be and he mightn't be that far off my age. Um, I was lucky that um, in previous jobs way back in the 90s, the company I'd worked with had, had written their own CRM and I always got a good sense of how important it was. There are some businesses where the data is not stored on anything other than a spreadsheet. It's not put on the CRM accurately. And again, it's the ability for startups today to embrace all kinds of technology that wasn't even thought of way back 20, 25 years ago. The internet obviously is a game changer for everybody and the internet today means that a startup can start selling to the world. Um, those mature businesses that have managed to get to where they are today were selling locally for most of the time. They were selling to a marketplace that probably had less competition 
but was very, very clear about the business model that was needed and it was typically predicated on good relationships and not technology. Today, you're looking at technology, um, perhaps over outweighing the importance of relationships for me, I would say that the relationship and the human side of it would definitely be to the fore, which is probably something that startups today could could learn from the more mature businesses that you have the chance to retain business and get evangelists working on your behalf if you're good at nurturing relationships of, of any kind, really. I went to university um, and then came and followed a very predictable route out of university, went down to London, got a job, and stayed working for somebody else. Um, I never, it never cost, uh, crossed my mind to, to set up a business then, and I, and I set up Shift Control in 2005 because um, I can't really remember why, but it was probably more to do with I, need, I needed to do something that I had more control of than working for, for other people. If you're setting up um, today, so much of that, of what is available today, did not exist 30 years ago. The most recent change would be remote working. The whole idea 30 or 20 years ago that you could work anywhere in the world or you could work from home was just, it was just simply, um, it didn't happen. I remember in London in the tube strikes, it was like, it was a day off because you couldn't do anything. You could maybe prepare for stuff, but you couldn't engage with customers because access to even mobile telephones and to the internet was very restricted back then. You've got a business model today that if you're setting up a business and you're selling shoes and you find in six months time that there's greater traction selling certain types of socks, you have no bother doing that. But if you were working um, in food retail or as a grocery store in a little village, um, you're kind of going to be doing that for a long time. The only thing that you can do is scale up. So you either become uh, part of the bigger chains at some point in the next 10 or 15 years or or what, like how do you change your business model overnight in the premises that you've had on the street um, for 30 or 40 years? And how do you transition that brand into selling something into something else? It's a lot easier today than it was then. Um, competition today is definitely much, much sharper. Um, technology, the constant evolution of technology, and also on top of that, Cybersecurity, which would be probably on top of all businesses' uh, agendas at the minute, didn't exist um, 20 years ago in the form it exists in now. You might have got the odd spam email, but you're not getting um, a constant and ever-present attack from, from cyber terrorists. The change in customers too, you know, way back um, when there wasn't the same competition, customers found it perhaps easier to be loyal or harder to be disloyal because the options were less and less. Today, people have got such a short attention span because of all the proliferation of technology and messaging that's coming from everywhere that they just don't have the bandwidth to do any heavy lifting when it comes to thinking. And what you find is the path of least resistance is probably followed all the time. And if you're front of mind and you're good with a good presence online, um, that probably overweighs a lot of the stuff that wouldn't have made you successful 20 or 30 years ago. So there's a lot to think about there. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, as I said, drawn to, to sort of do a podcast on it because a lot of people are, you know, you get the odd blog that says 10 things, you know, every business could learn from startups and all that. But 
they're really they're very very interlinked a lot of mature businesses when they think about scaling are very restricted you know it's a my name is above the door and I don't really want to change so therefore we're going to double down on what we've been doing for the last 20 years and it takes really really confident thinking it's brave um being in business right now is brave setting up a business right now is brave but also scaling up or trying to pivot is a really brave consideration um when you're trying to recruit people as a mature business you've got the idea that you want a lot of the things done in your image and so you've got uh maybe a traditional mindset at management level that has to take into account the nuances of recruiting a younger workforce a younger workforce that might just need to be treated differently that might want to see a rule book that might want to see what you're doing for sustainability that might want to see your recycling policy that might want to see more diversity in the workplace which isn't in your dna um, or isn't in everybody's dna whenever you're working in a business that was established 30 or 40 years ago so there are different challenges and different expectations from your customers and from your staff there's a really good book that I was recommended years ago, which I'm only kind of getting into reading fully now, is um, Steve Blank, The Four Steps to the Epiphany, um, which is uh, a really, really good book, not just for startups, but for just how to um, how to do better business. And, and it's kind of 2023, although that book is, is older than 2023. Hopefully you get my point. Um, yeah, worth worth considering. Um, I'd be interested in any thoughts. If you want to sort of discuss any of those th things in more detail, please reach out through LinkedIn or drop me an email at paul at shift-control.co.uk. Um, I just find the, the sort of intersection of the mature and startup business or the, that economy, I find it really, really interesting now that I'm working with startups. The last startup I worked with probably was in 2013. And um, that business would have thrived today because the market needs what it sold today better than it did back then. And nobody really kind of knew. The customers didn't know that that was the case. And the people that were funding the business didn't know. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's for another story. Um, thanks for tuning in. And... Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what your thoughts are. So yeah, thanks for tuning in and I will talk to you soon.